Consider what the Proverbs have to say about the slothful. That's who this is talking about here. Uh, Proverbs 19.15, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And how many, if you know anybody like that, I've known some people who just would not work. And they're just like, and they're just doing, and they're just always laying around. And then, of course, most of the uh, pot smokers that, you know, that don't work. That's what they, they'll, they get money off of their, a lot of times their older parents who are living on, on you know, Social Security, and they'll get enough money for a dime bag so they can, you know, lay around. It's just crazy, but that's exactly what, and some of you may not have seen this. Some of us have. It's real. An idle soul shall suffer hunger. That's just a fact. Uh, Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. There are people who are so given to laziness and enabled in their laziness that it actually kills them. I mean, one of the obvious examples you see on TV is you've seen these people who don't work, they lay around all the time, and they just get bigger and bigger till they're about 500 pounds. There was a show about that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 600-pound <laughs> yeah, live, all these shows that you guys watch, shame on you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to make everybody afraid to say they know anything because I'm going to say, yeah, you shouldn't even know that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but hey, Gio will tell you, that I, sometimes you just channel flip just to see that you're like, this is amazing. And to think that there are millions of people sitting around watching that stuff. Yeah. But what it's, what's it about? It's about this. There's people laying around, doing nothing, being enabled, and just getting fatter and fatter and fatter until they can't move. You know, it's just it's, it's a sad thing, though. Proverbs 22, 13, The slothful man saith, There is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. I mean, you say, what? Yeah, that's how dumb their excuses are. How many of you know the joke... Uh, one of the Christmas movies we watched this, this year, and uh, I, I think it was uh, Christmas Vacation. We watched a cleaned-up version, by the way. Don't go out and buy the DVD. It might shock you a few places, but watch the TV version. It's really funny. And Cousin Eddie's not worked for years because he's holding out for a management position, yeah. <laughs> which he's not qualified for. But that's the kind of dumb excuse this is talking about. So I can't work. There's a lion out there in the street. Well, there's no lion, you know. But that's the kind of things you hear uh, from people who don't want to work. They'll come up with any excuse. And all you can do is just not give in to it. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 24 for a minute. And verse 30 is where we'll pick up. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. Because, you know, those are just two sides of the same coin there. Verse 31, And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Read 32 through 34 with me. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So that last verse 
it's a little uh, difficult at first glance, but it's saying that it, your poverty will be like someone who's traveling and just never can get to where they're going. How many of you had to go to the bathroom or been real hungry out on the turnpike in West Virginia, and it, you, it's like you, never, you think you're never going to get to that rest area? Jenny knows what I'm talking about. It happened last week. <laughs> That's not a good feeling to have, being hungry or having to go to the bathroom. You're like, when are we going to get to the next trip? And then there's a sign, rest area closed. Oh, when's the next one? <laughs> and that's what this is talking about here. It also says, and I want as an armed man, meaning it's like somebody who's traveling and you get robbed and you're left with nothing. And then you need gas and food and you don't even have money now to buy it. That's what this is talking about. That's the kind of thing that person goes through. Yeah, Doug? Yeah, Pam's uh, great-grandfather uh, lived in uh, Fort Smith, and they went up to Maslin, Ohio, where, where, where Pam's dad was. Well, the grandparents died, so we're taking a trip from, from up by Canton and Maslin all the way down to Fort Smith in, in, a, uh, in a funeral position. Oh. Oh, that was hard. They didn't, stop? they didn't stop? Oh, man, note to self, if I ever do a funeral like that, I'm going to tell the funeral director, we're hitting at least one restaurant on the way, on the way down there. Wow. So, uh, back to our text in verse 11. Uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that a lot of people would say would be a surprise maybe even to know that you have to deal with this as a pastor, you have to deal with it in your church. But yeah, when uh, we have we have people every once in a while to come for uh, to us and they want money. Uh, we had that story. Some of you were around when we had this lady wanting money. She said she needed gas to make a little trip. She had a big, beautiful, nice, big red, brand new truck. Her reason for taking the trip. I don't want to be too. Uh, specific, you know, she may have repented, and I don't want to embarrass anybody out there, but she had this lame reason that she needed to travel in the first place. And so uh, somebody there goes and gets a can of gas, and uh, you can tell she was just upset. She just looked like this when she saw them putting gas in her truck. <laughs> and she don't put that in there. And we're like, well, you said you needed gas. And, and she says, I just need some money to go get some gas. That's why, well, if you need gas, we got gas. Obviously, I already knew. I mean, 99 out of 100 times, there's been probably over 100 times in 30 years of ministry, because I used to do ministry in the streets more in the inner city, so I dealt with it a lot more before. Since we've been here probably half a dozen times, we've had people come here and need money. Okay, they're looking for somebody who's not going to ask any questions, just start handing out money. And I don't do that. And so we ask him, and we was like, well, I had this one guy come here one morning one day. I, it wasn't even during a church day. I was just here. I was working. He comes up. I walk outside. I said, well, I'll meet you down here at the shell and fill you up. Oh, you don't have to do that. You can just give me the money, and I'll go down and do it. I'll get it. So I'm not doing that. I said, if you need, if you need gas, I'll take it down. He says, you know what? Just forget it. I don't want to be too much. That's just too much trouble for you to do that. He acted like he was doing me a favor by not making me go down and fill his tank up. It's because he was a liar and he knew I was going to, I was about ready to just, you know, point it out, but he took off, jumped in his truck. He probably was full. <laughs> yeah, he probably had a full tank to begin with. Johnny? Wasn't it 
I seem to recall we were here where there's a guy who came looking for food. Yeah. And we offered it to him and he was unhappy. Showed him our pantry of spam and Vienna sausages and canned green beans and all that. And he just, mm, I wouldn't want my kids to even touch that. Well, your kids ain't hungry then. I know. I, I eat that stuff and I'm not even hungry, let alone when I'm hungry. But. <laughs> so verse 11, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Well, no born-again Bible-believing Christian should waste their lives being a busybody. You say, well, what's a busybody? It's good to be busy. Well, that's not really what that means. Uh, Noah Webster tells us that it's a meddling person. One who officiously concerns himself with the affairs of others. I'm not just saying this. We don't really have anybody like that here. I'm kind of preaching to the choir. But we have in the past, and I've dealt with people like that in the past, where they're just always nosing to everybody's business. Now, that's not the same thing as what we talked about before. If you know as a brother and sister they're living in sin and they're openly and unrepentant about it, then that's not being a busybody. That's being a good Christian brother or sister when you confront that. But you know what I mean. What's the, uh, somebody reminded me last week on Bewitched, which is a show I have never watched. But uh, actually, I used to watch it when I was a boy. I was unsaved at the time, and I thought uh, Elizabeth Montgomery was beautiful. So I was like, you know, wow, is this what witches look like? You know? But uh, what was her neighbor? Uh, Gladys, what is it? Gladys Kravitz. I, I know that, but I never can remember that. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. She's always looking out the window. And uh, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, one day, one day uh, somebody was over at our house, and they said to my mom, said, you got the best calves I've seen on anybody. And she had real muscular calves. And my dad says, that's from her getting up on her tippy toes to look out the window at the neighbors. <laughs> oh, she knows I love her. Uh, you only, you only hurt the ones you love. That word officiously means marked by excessive eagerness in offering unwanted services or advice. Unwanted, right. But even, even that, you know, when you're dealing with somebody's in sin, they may not want it. And uh, that's still fitting. But First uh, Peter chapter four, turn there. First Peter chapter four, verses thirteen through fifteen. Thirteen says, "But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy." But then look at fourteen and fifteen. Read that with me. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. So we talk about the Bible having its built-in dictionary. Right there it tells you what a busybody is in other men's matters. So... Uh, that's something that shouldn't be said of you, but you know most people, and this isn't just true of people who are sloths. Uh, sadly, a lot of people when they retire, 
they end up just sitting there watching all those fruits and nuts on the TV and the movie actors and actors and everybody, and they just get consumed with that. Now, it's normal and natural to know what's going on in, in, in general and actors and actresses because it's everywhere. But I'm talking about people who could tell you that they know those people like it's their blood relatives. They know their histories. They know their relationships. They know what's going on with their kids. They know what their favorite foods are. They know where they went to vacation this year. You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm telling you, I run into it all the time. We've had them in churches I've been in and, you know, uh, never had time for Bible study and couldn't memorize scripture and didn't have a prayer life but knew everything about Hollywood. That's what you're talking about here. And usually that is tied in with people who don't work. And the people I'm referring to, they just want to bum all the time. They want to sit around watching TV, watching all the Hollywood people, and bum. We're not supposed to enable it. What, what are we supposed to do? Look at verse 12. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Get busy. <laughs> Get to work. And, you know, if we were in the Great Depression and a guy couldn't find a job, it'd be different. But uh, since I've been in the ministry, even when we had the 2008, you know, real estate crash and that kind of stuff, it's never been a time where someone's come to me in need that we couldn't help find work. So it's not been an issue. I know there's been times that that has been the issue. And some of you know what it's like when either you, in recent times or even a few years back you looked for a job, and it could take some time huh, for some of you, but there was work out there, you know. So you mind your own business and work to feed yourself and your families. That is a major uh, requirement if you're going to live the Christian life and please God. If you don't mind your business and work and pay your bills and take care of your family, then you're not doing it right. God's not going to be pleased with that. Jill? That reminds me of the story I told before about going to the welfare thing and re-upping for it. And they said, okay, we're going to this booklet. Anybody that works We'll go through this part. If there's anybody, if nobody works, then we won't go through it. I was the only one that worked. Uh, yeah. Out of hundreds yeah. of people. Yeah. I was the only one that was working. Yeah. So many of them, I'm sure, were far better. Oh, yeah. To work than me. I just followed them out to the parking lot and look at the car they're driving. You can see that. So, verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. That includes going to work tomorrow. Or if you're off, going to work the next day you work. Work hard, love God, serve God by serving others, and be content. That's living it. That's living the good life. Look at 1 Timothy, just a few pages over, chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Beginning of verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I love verse 7. It's basically the same thing when you say uh, you never see a hearse uh, uh, pulling a U-Haul. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Read verse 8. 
and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Um, I would, if I were to uh, write, be asked to write the Bible, I would have been said to had food, raiment, and books. <laughs> but what happens if I don't have books? Well, hopefully the libraries are still open. I can go, you know, and get uh, books there to borrow. But yeah, well. <laughs> I have books now, but I'm saying if all of us were just with nothing but food and raiment, as it says, then what do we do? And uh, trying to recite them by memory would do us no good, as far as I'm concerned. Hebrews 13.5, let your conversation be without covetousness. See, there's a connection there. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You have the Lord with you all the time. You had food and raiment, you have the Lord with you all the time. Don't forget him. <laughs> In other words, not covet. This whole thing is people think, well, he, he's rich and he doesn't have to work. And he's got all this stuff and I work and work and work and couldn't even pay my bills and all that. That gives me the excuse to sit at home and do nothing. That's coveting. They're coveting what other people have, and that's why they stay at home and don't do anything, because they think they're entitled. They deserve it. It's the underlying cause of many sins that you see in people's lives. It causes backsliding. It causes lust. A, a man decides he's going to watch porn and things, and then he thinks every woman's supposed to actually look like that in real life, and they don't. They're airbrushed, and they use all kinds of things that make the women look otherworldly everything else and they end up lusting and then cheating theft a lot of people are drawn into lives of crime they steal from people or whatever and what's what's the base of it covetousness they think they need or or should have something they don't have it's like they deserve it once you start to think like that you're in trouble and that's of course adultery is in that list etc that's not my opinion by the way God blatantly makes that connection in the Ten Commandments. If you look at the final commandment, He says, Thou shalt not covet, and then He says all those things. Thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass. Well, he's got servants doing all the work around his house. I should have those. I'm not going to do when you work around my house. And that's when your house grows over and the stone wall, as it says, falls apart. That's what's behind it. So we close in our text, and he says, again, just like we read last week, when someone's in unrepentant sin and won't follow the Scripture, verse 14 and 15, read with me again. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So, that's more tough love. You do it because you love them and you can't enable them and you don't want them to think it's okay what they're doing. Sadly, when we've done these kind of things through the years, most of these people just go find a church where they'll enable them. So church discipline doesn't work because they just go somewhere else and are enabled and they can continue on in their sin. But ignoring this commandment has been the source of great trouble in homes and churches. If you enable people in your homes, in your churches, wherever it is, if you enable them, it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. 
And note, this only applies to those requesting assistance, as I said earlier. I just threw that in there because I didn't uh, want to make, I want to make sure I had that clear. But the bottom line is you say, well, I just don't, I think, well, you know, what if, stop. Father knows best. You may not understand why he's told us to do these things, and it may be really difficult when the time comes we have to do it. But he knows what he's doing, folks. Let's endeavor to never force him to chastise us that way. That's really the only thing you can do about this, is personally not be that guy, not be that woman who needs to be dealt with like that. Amen? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this study. We thank you for the time we can spend in your word. We thank you for the fact that you've given us this information because without it, churches and homes would be left with a lot of debate. But we don't have to debate it because you've told us exactly what we should do. Very thankful for that. Thankful that you give us the courage uh, to deal with these things, but with a heart of love to desire reconciliation after we see repentance. And also, thank you, Lord, that I'm in a room full of people that we don't have to deal with this, these particular issues. And may none of us ever be guilty of it as we live for you and want to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen. Yeah.